Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, um, James has written this letter that we've been studying, um, and he's writing this to Jewish believers who have been scattered, who have been persecuted, as we see in Acts chapter 7 and 8, and uh, they're facing just tremendous persecution, and, and James is encouraging them to hold on to their faith and to endure through some very hard times. Uh, he calls them to avoid being just angry with the world. He, he calls them not to be vengeful. He, he says that they need to avoid sin, and one of those sins we covered in uh, James chapter 2, the sin of partiality. We talked about discrimination, how that is not godly. Uh, he's encouraging them over and over to live by the word of God, no matter how difficult it gets and how much persecution or trouble or trial that they find. And so that, that is his call to us today, to continue to endure. And I, I believe that some of you in the room may be experiencing some difficult times, some trouble, uh, and your heart hurts, and we're here to pray for you today, and perhaps there are individuals who are watching online now from uh, New Pal, uh, as far away as Iowa, uh, and other locations where your heart could use some prayer today. And so we want to pray over you and to encourage you to endure in, in the faith, to keep pressing in and loving the Lord. So today we're going to conclude the book of James, and we're going to see three kinds of prayer. The first is praying for ourselves. The second would be praying from the elders, and then the final one is praying for each other. And so those three areas, let's turn in our Bible to James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. And he opens up the verse by saying this. He says, is anyone among you, what? Suffering. Is anyone among you suffering? Now, that doesn't surprise us. He's been talking about suffering throughout the book. So yes, he's going to address that. Is anyone suffering? Let him, what? pray. Now, we'd have reason to be shocked if James is writing to persecuted people, people who have been beaten down and and just struggling, and we'd be surprised if he never talks about prayer. But he hasn't mentioned prayer until right now. This is the first time in the book that he mentions prayer. And so, he's talking to persecuted believers who are feeling the weight of their culture upon them and the stress of life. And he is encouraging them to pray. And I believe that any tempted and tried church, it remains strong through prayer. Any Christian that is going to endure the weight of this life and the way that it presses down on our soul, the way that we get through this is through prayer. And so James is addressing believers who are weak from the battle. They, they are weary. And some of you in the room, you may be weary. Some of you watching may be weary. You've experienced it. There's these moments where your, your spirit is just broken and you've kind of reached the limit. So on, on one hand, we have some people who are suffering. And on the other hand, we're going to see that there are people who are happy. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing Praise. And so we recognize today that we're all at different places as we gather. Some of us are suffering. Some of us in the room, we're cheerful and we're happy and we're excited. So again, we, we want to engage with one another here, not just spectate with what's happening. So let, let's do a little um, survey. And it's not scientific, but let's make a scale between 1 and 10. 
So uh, on the far side of number one, that would be suffering. And in, I'm going to ask the people to, in the comments, put where you're at on the scale of one to ten between one suffering and ten cheerful. So one is suffering. It, it, it really has never been this bad in your life. You're kind of at the bottom. This is the worst moment in your life. All the way over to ten where you're cheerful and you're happy. In fact, you're so happy people are looking at you funny and you might get committed. I mean, some strange things are happening. You're that happy. So between one and ten, go ahead and put your number in the comments there and we'll check that out. For us in the room, the way that we'll do it, if in your head, your number between one and 10, if your number is between one and five. So you're down on the spectrum of, man, my heart is heavy. I'm feeling kind of broken, kind of overwhelmed. Things are tough in my life right now. If your number is between one and five, who do we have in the room? My hand is up because I'm between a one and a five today. All right? Yeah, my, my number, just so you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be positive, I'm a four, okay? Uh, th- those of you that are between six and 10 in the room, six and 10, like things are good, praise God. I mean, we're happy for you, right? We're gonna mourn with those who mourn. We're gonna rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh my goodness, uh, we, we have numbers all over the place uh, right, right here in our chat, MJ, we're going to pray for you. Uh, if you'd put your prayer request in or send it to us, okay? Um, anybody under a five, just send it in. The staff will pray for you. Those of you that are, man, six, seven, eight, ten, God bless you. That is fantastic. But James says if you're suffering, pray. And you can pray for yourself. That's not a bad thing. If you're suffering, pray. You're weak, you're tired. And so he says, if you're suffering, pray. And then he says, if you're happy and you know it, sing some praise. Sing some praise. We, we've got to go ahead and lean into and embrace the fact that God is good. And when we're cheerful, let's, let's give it out. And then when we're suffering, when we're hurting, we need to pray. That's praying for ourselves. But then there's praying of the elders. And that's what we're going to look at next. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the Greek word there for sick is the word asthenio. Asthenio actually means weak. It doesn't just simply mean sick. It goes beyond just a physical sickness. It, it, it is weak. So it would read like this. Is any among you weak? James is saying, I know some of you are suffering. Pray. Pray for yourself. But if any of you have gotten to this place where you are weak, you have been beaten down, uh, there's nothing left in the tank spiritually, maybe it's something that's happening uh, emotionally for you, maybe it is something physical, uh, maybe there's something mentally that's happening, if you're in that place, you need to go and find somebody to what? To pray for you. And if you are spiritually weak, then you need to go find somebody who is spiritually strong. You need to go find someone who is spiritually strong. And so you go to the elders. Not that the elders are perfect, but these are spiritually strong ones that, that we go to. It's interesting. James doesn't say, if you're sick, or go to the healers. He doesn't say, go to, go to the healers. Like, you're sick, you need some kind of physical need, go to the healers. He doesn't say that. Again, because this is a weakness of heart, this is a weakness of mind, this is a weakness of spirit. Yes, it may be a weakness physically, and when it comes to the gift of spiritual, or rather physical healing, the gift of physical healing is closely associated uh, with the gift of faith and the gift of miracles. 
where, where there's just this divine kind of moment that the Spirit of God begins to work in such a way that somebody will experience physical healing through the gift of healing, okay? But, you know, this is, this is all. I've never seen anybody who at will can heal every single person that they come across other than Jesus Christ. All of this has to do with the sovereignty of God's will and his desire to bring healing, so James is saying, if you're suffering, pray. But if you've hit the bottom and, and you are weak and, and you're kind of tapped out of energy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, if you're struggling, if you're defeated, if you're without strength and you're brokenhearted, begin to go to those who are spiritually strong and in their strength, spiritually, they will bear you up and God will lift you up. And maybe you'd say, okay, well, all right. What about that part there about anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. What is that? Well, literally, the text would read this way. After having oiled him, which is weird, right? Like, that's a strange kind of comment, after having oiled him. So there, there's a number of possibilities when it comes to what James is talking about here, and all of it is beautiful. For, for instance, uh, in that time, oil would be used to treat external wounds. So if you were injured, uh, we read in Mark 6, 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Oil would be used with wine. Uh, if you recall the parable of, of the Good Samaritan, he would anoint the one who had been beaten with oil and wine. Uh, then, uh, according to Luke seven forty six, if you were to go into a home back then and you were the guest in that home, they, they would, after cleansing your feet, washing your feet, they would anoint your head with oil. Uh, in that region, the sun would just kind of beat down on you all day long, and your skin would be kind of dry, and so it, this oil would just be refreshing. If you've ever had uh, itchy skin, like maybe under a beard, oil's fantastic, and, and it brings some refreshing. It's used in a metaphorical sense. We read in God's word about the oil of gladness. There's just this metaphorical like, I want to bless your soul. I pray, I pray God's love would be felt by you and you'd experience it in this moment that, that the oil of gladness would fill you up. And then there's these other places where the oil is represented by the presence of God and God setting apart somebody for service. So you can see James, he's talking to people who are persecuted. In fact, some of them may actually have been beaten by somebody because they claim the name of Jesus Christ, and they are being persecuted, and so in their wounds, they come to the elders, and very possibly, they are just applying this oil medicinally, or perhaps they have been worn out, come to the end, and they come to the elders, and they say, I've reached my limit. I'm going to need you to pray for me, and so they begin to bless that person's soul and encourage their weakness. And I want you to know, we, we do this here at this church. Our elders uh, anoint people with oil. There's nothing magical uh, about the oil, uh, but out of an act of faith and obedience, we anoint folks with oil. And, and the, uh, the, the, the onus really isn't on the elders to go out and find people to pray for. It's on individuals to come to the elders and say, I, I would like for you to anoint me. And so our elders have... Uh, between services many times, they'll anoint people with oil and they'll pray in faith. We've gone to people's homes and, and hospitals and, and we're praying that God would do something powerful and, and unique and out of obedience we pray for them. It goes on, verse 15 says this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, 
he will be forgiven. Now, I want you to know this text here doesn't say that every single time that the elders pray for somebody who is sick or weak, that they are going to be healed. It teaches that if the elders pray the prayer of faith, the sick person will be healed. So what the elders are doing, they are seeking God for the gifting of faith that they might pray the prayer of faith. There is a faith that comes as a special gift to pray for something extraordinary. Now, if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, I pray that you have had this experience where in a moment, you have had a, a, just a supernatural kind of gift of faith in the moment where you're praying for another person who is physically hurt or wounded in some way, and you just trust and know in that moment, man, this is done. Like, man, I, I don't know where this is coming from, but I have absolute confidence that when you step away from here, you're better. Or in just a moment down the line, you're better. And I don't have the gift of healing, but I've had these moments where there was a prayer of faith and people walked away healed. Or, or I've pray, we've prayed, uh, I don't need to tell you stories. All you need to know is it's happened, okay? And, and I pray that happens for you, that, that you know, like in this moment, God's gonna do a supernatural work and somebody's going to be healed. And I know that when we start talking about healing, um, it seems like we can go in some pretty crazy directions sometimes. And I, I would say if, if you're just simply making spiritual gifts your aim, it, it can get really weird. You can go in some strange directions because some people will begin to try to manipulate the spiritual world. Or they'll try to manipulate God in some way, and, and they can start to ditch the word of God so that they might just see simply the works of God, and they don't match up the truth of God's word in that moment. That's a dangerous place to be. Uh, I've, I've met people who, they don't say this out loud, but their attitude is, well, um, I have a supernatural gift, and I've, I've prayed for, and I heal people, therefore I'm varsity spiritually, and, and you haven't, so you are junior varsity. And, and that's a terrible place to, to be as well. Um, like, we're, we're in a different class spiritually than you. Well, my concern about that kind of thing is both Jesus and Paul said that in the last days, people would be coming and uh, they would do miracles, but they would lead people astray from the truth. And so I, I don't care if you've been a part of something supernatural where you've seen some miracles if it's not combined with truth and love. Right? I mean, we're, we're told, Paul says, if you speak in the tongues of angels and you do miracles and you don't have love, you ain't got nothing. It, it's just not gonna matter. And so we match up the truth of God's word. And, and again, I have yet to meet somebody who can heal somebody else every single time other than Jesus. You can't manipulate God like that. You just, you can't. And so maybe you're saying again, well, what does this mean? Save the one who's sick. Raise, raise him up. Well, again, you've, you've got to remember, James 5 is after James 4. And in James 4, it says, if God wills. If God wills, in, in the sovereign will of God in this moment, uh, he can do a miracle and he can provide healing. And I believe that today. At the end of this service, we're gonna, we're gonna pray somebody's healed. We're, we're gonna pray for some physical healing. We're gonna pray that somebody's weakness would be bolstered by the spirit of God and their heart would be transformed and that they would find a supernatural strength to keep pushing on and enduring in the faith. 
That, that, that's a move of God. That's not us being fantastic and powerful or we said the right combination of words to make something like that happen. No, that's God in his mercy and his sovereignty lavishing his grace on us to bring healing into a body that needs it, to bring re- restoration to a, a mind or a heart in need. The prayer of faith by these individuals restores the one who has reached the bottom and it says there to, to raise him up. That word raise him up again, that is a word that means restore, it means rebuild. It means excite. It means awaken. These are great promises from God when when spiritually strong people begin to pray over and pray for those in need. He's saying when you're suffering, pray. If you've reached the end, if you're exhausted, you're worn out, there's nothing left in the tank, you're at the bottom, go to those who are spiritually strong and allow them to pray over you. Because there's some, there's some dangers here, friends. If we get to this place where we are weak, there's a very real danger that we will fall into sin. In our weakness, there's a temptation to sin. You, you can become weak in your own spiritual experience even through your sin. Maybe in your life, I mean, you've, you've been walking away from God long enough and your soul is just parched. And you can see this, you can feel this in your own heart and your life, and it's causing a weakness. And so I'd say, if you have a besetting kind of sin in your life, you, you need to confess that. You need to be able to get rid of that so that you may then, once again, become spiritually strong. But one of the uh, uh, schemes of the devil is when we're weak, when we find these moments, he'll try to move in and tempt us and move us off of center. So if you find yourself in this place of no strength, no power, you're defeated, you can't battle alone. We need each other. You get down on your knees next to another believer. This is where we see the transition with the word therefore. Verse 16. Therefore confess, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And I would just say don't wait until you get to the bottom. Don't wait until you've reached the end. Make sure that you're maintaining other relationships with other believers and you're allowing them into your life. Around here, we talk about fellowship. We, we talk about being in life groups. We talk about making sure that, that we're not wearing masks, that we're not pretending that we're, we're strong when we're not actually strong, that we wouldn't hide from one another because when we're hiding from one another, what sin is doing, what the enemy is doing, he wants to isolate you. He wants to defeat you. And when you are alone, you're much more susceptible to being defeated. And so out of this place of just open authenticity, you go to others, other believers that you know that love you, that have your back, and they then speak truth into your life. If, if you have sinned, go ahead and confess to those that you trust, that you know, those that love you. And then in this atmosphere, there is healing that begins to help happen as you open up your heart, as you begin to share with one another, as you confess it to God, then God is going to lift you up. If you're suffering, pray. If you've hit the bottom through just persecution, maybe even compounded by your own sin, you go to those who are spiritually strong, have them hold you accountable, have them pray and lift you up and encourage your heart. They're going to carry you to the throne of God. They're going to be there for you on your behalf. So there's power in prayer. There is power in this prayer. And James is driving home this point in the next verse. Verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, you can read about Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 18, and I would encourage you to do that. It's just a great account of of what happens there. And so he's saying, Elijah is like us. 
Elijah was weak at points, uh, and then he's strong at points, right? He, he's kind of got this like, way to go, Elijah, in these other moments, like, what are you doing, Elijah? What are you thinking? Why are you doing that? And that's us, right? Sometimes we're really strong. Sometimes we're doing the right thing, the righteous thing. Sometimes we're just doing things that we're saying, well, where is this coming from? Why, why did I do that? And we're kind of tripping up. But what he is saying, what James is saying, your prayers have the same opportunity of effectiveness as that of Elijah, because it's not about you, and it wasn't about Elijah, it's about God. It's about what God can do through broken vessels like us. It's about what God wants to do through his people. So my hope, my desire is that you'll be able to walk away from this today just a little bit more encouraged that you have an opportunity to go before the throne of God and be able to speak to him and know that he is hearing you and listening. And you, in fact, don't have to just go to the pastor or just go to the elders. You can pray for miracles. If you're suffering, you can pray for yourself. You can pray for others. It's not like some class of people like there's Elijah and well, you know, somebody else is down here. Nope. We're all on the same equal footing because we're coming before the one true God who is looking for his people to begin to seek his face and trust him that he is alive, that he's going to do something as we talk to him. James is pointing out the same God that sent that rain for Elijah is the same God that as you pray for nourishment for yourself or a hurting soul next to you, God will bring that nourishment for them as well. So if you're exhausted, if you're weak, if you're struggling, go to others. Allow them to pray for you. They have the same kind of prayer potential as Elijah. That's powerful. And again, if you don't understand just how powerful that is, reintroduce yourself to 1 Kings 17 and 18. It, I would encourage you to go there. Now, James is going to end this letter this way. He says this, my brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. If you're suffering, pray for yourself. If you've reached the, the end, you've hit the bottom, you are weak mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, begin to go to those who are spiritually strong. If you have sin in your life, go ahead and confess it to other believers who are around you, and, and God will restore you. And if you see somebody else who's beginning to wander away from God, bring them back to the truth of who he is, and they will be saved from a multitude of sins. And isn't that the point? Isn't this Why? Jesus came? Isn't this why he's here? I mean, that's the big issue. Jesus didn't come just simply to give us a healthy, pain-free life. He came to set us free from condemnation. He, he, came to bring us, he came to bring us life in him. That's why he's here. He came to deliver us from all of that wrath and the condemnation that was hanging over our heads. You, you don't just simply need some physical healing today, friend. You don't just simply need things to kind of work out in your life so that you feel a little bit better on the scale, you need Christ because we are all sinners in need of this Savior. Every single one of us have entered into this world separated from God, divided, enemies of our Creator. Every single one of us need to be saved. And God in his mercy sends his Son to a group of people and we all know our hearts. People who are idolaters, people who set up other things in our lives and say, well, maybe this will save me. 
Maybe I'll find wholeness from this. People who are narcissistic and selfish and we just look inward all the time and we try to usurp God and say, well, I'm just going to save myself or I'm going to kind of create some kind of worldview where I'm going to get to God on my own and that way I won't have to repent. That way I won't have to look to him to be my savior and my Lord. Every single one of us with wrath hanging over our heads and God in his mercy sees a people in need, people who are rebels and he says, I love you. I'm coming your direction and he sends his son, Jesus Christ. who is God and he goes around and he's healing people left and right he's not healing people just so that they'll get like a better life he's saying look at me I am God in the flesh and God in the flesh who never sins he goes to a cross for your sin and while he is there while he is bleeding while he is bleeding out that blood is a covering of our sin the wrath that was due for us placed on Jesus Christ because of a merciful gracious God who would send his own son to take on all of that sin so everything that we've got that has been negative and uh, a stain against us placed on him and then in turn he gives us his righteousness out of mercy and grace he imputes to us his righteousness they kill him we killed him and we put him in a tomb. He stays there for three days. On the third day, he rises from the grave. He's alive. He ascends to heaven. He sends his spirit down into the heart of people who had been separated from God, people whose hearts have been messed up and filled with prejudice and division and filled with anger and hatred and murder so that we might know the one true king so that we would walk with him all the days of our life. Friend, you need Jesus. We need Jesus, you might think you needed just to show up at church. You don't need to show up at church. You need Jesus. People seek healing. They need the healer. They need the healer. Your greatest needs are not spirit. They're not physical. They're spiritual. Your, Your deepest need is your heart that keeps wandering away from the Lord until you come to him and say, Lord Jesus, Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. I repent of my sin. I turn away from the direction I was going. Cover me in your righteousness. I want to walk with you. Lead me, guide me. That's what we need. The reason that Jesus would go around and heal people in all these different towns, as he's doing that, is to point to the fact that he's God. And they would say, hey, Jesus, just stick around in this town. Keep healing people and give out free food. He's like, no, I got to go preach. I got to go preach. What are you preaching? I'm preaching the kingdom. Because the king is here. I'm preaching healing because the healer is here. I'm preaching salvation because the savior is here. And what you don't just simply need is so that you might feel better, that you might have physical healing, so that you might not just simply feel good about yourself, but that you might have salvation in Jesus Christ, that you move away from your pride and your self-sufficiency, and you would begin to humble yourself and realize, I am a soul created by the one true God of this universe, and he longs to have a relationship with me. And you can keep ignoring him, or you can turn in his direction, find salvation, and find life eternal. I mean, that's what we're looking at today. That's where we're at. It's our hearts. What you need more than physical comfort is a personal Christ. <laughs> he took on physical suffering. He took on death so that we might have life. Life now and life eternal. 
That's Jesus. That is what he has done. And I pray that you know him. I pray that you have a relationship with him. The, the elders and the pastors, we're going to pray for you today. We want, we want to pray over what you're going through right now in your life. But above all, we want you to know Jesus. He is the answer to your deepest need, to the hole in your heart, to the wandering in your life. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. And he's come for you. So we want to pray for you. I pray that you know him. So I'm going to invite the, the elders to come up, just as we've read, and I'll invite the pastors to come up, and we want to pray over you. Now, as we do this today, I thought it would be important for us to pray for our nation as well, for what we're going through. There's so much division. There's so much hatred. There's so many people talking from different sides, trying to be heard and not listening. People making points. People thinking that they've found a way to fix the issue. The issue is the heart. Our hearts are messed up. There aren't enough hashtags on the planet to fix a heart. So for both sides of the tensions that are happening in our culture, I found common ground. It's Jesus. You want people to stop being prejudiced? Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's the answer. What the enemy wants to do, he wants to divide. He wants to isolate. He wants to pit people against one another. But that's not what God came to do. He came to restore. He came to unify. I've said this before, a number of Saturday kind of prayer streams that we've done, I've been talking about this and I've told you, there's one race. It's the human race. Acts 17, verse 26, and God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So there's one race. We have a lot of dif different ethnic groups, and we gotta celebrate that. I, I, I would never encourage somebody to be colorblind. That'd be ridiculous, because God has made a myriad of colors <laughs> and cultures and ethnicities that are to be celebrated and enjoyed. But there's one race. And the fact of the matter is, He's already brought reconciliation. It already exists. I'm going to show you this in God's Word in a second. It's here. He's brought peace. He gave it. He's got a name. Jesus. Ephesians 2. Let me read this. Ephesians 2. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that would be the juice, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. There, there's some reconciliation, bad news that needed to happen there. Separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself 
is our peace, who has made us both one, Jews, Gentiles, a division that had been created by God on purpose, brought together, both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I think we could use that. I think we could live in that kind of peace. And that comes from Christ dwelling in each heart. We find it in God's word. It's not God's word plus some other sociology, but it is God's word. And he has given to us reconciliation and peace, which is Christ. Let me show you this reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What reconciliation? To God. The reconciliation to God. Bought by Jesus Christ, who is our peace, to put an end to hostility. Therefore, we, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors. We are called to love. We're not called to prejudice. We're not called to put ourselves above any other human being. We are all in the same place. Sinners separated from God and God in his love and mercy would come and reconcile us through his son, Jesus Christ, to give us peace. That peace will not be won on Facebook. That peace will be won when you go love your neighbor. When we share the love of Jesus Christ and the reconciliation that he brought to messed up hearts like mine and yours to transform us, to make us more like his son. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. No group needs to feel guilty. We need personal responsibility because there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What we need is to walk with Christ, have him change our hearts. So as we pray, we're gonna pray for our nation, pray for our own community, whatever that means. Pray for your heart. I wanna pray for those that are struggling, those that are hurting. We have elders and we have pastors that are up here. They're gonna pray a blessing as I pray over you. And we're going to God not with presumption. We don't go to God with presumption. Expectation. If we would be expectant, just like Elijah, I believe God's going to do some big things in my heart, in your heart, in this world as we seek and must pray. Father, I pray that you start with me. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in my heart. Lord, if there's any prejudice in my heart, if I'm putting myself above anybody else, root it out. Help me to love others regardless. Help me to see myself properly at the foot of the cross where everybody needs to be. And so, Lord, change me, transform me. Give me a desire to watch you do what only you can do inside of my heart 
and then to take that love and to give it to my neighbors and to give it to everybody that I come into contact with, even my enemies. You've asked us to pray for our enemies. Some of us, were taking shots left and right from the culture. God, we pray for them. We don't need to be right. Jesus, you be seen. Not us. Not winning a war in a conversation, but you, Lord Jesus, transform our hearts. You've come to give us peace. You've come to unify us in Christ. Please do that, God. Remove the hostility. Let there be peace, Lord, in our nation, in our homes, in our hearts. God, that's you. That's you, please, Father. For each person that is gathered here in this room, for those that are watching right now, hearts that are heavy, people who are experiencing physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, Lord, would you enter in and do what only you can do? We pray for healing. We pray in faith. Give us this, this prayer of faith, this, this confidence that you are doing something in our hearts you're doing something in our homes, that you're doing something with somebody who's been far from you and has not understood that they were a sinner until this moment and they need a savior. God, would you continue to soften that hard heart? Help them to bend their knee to Jesus Christ and make him Lord and Savior and to walk with him. Father, we cannot do this life without you. We need you. I pray for all of my friends. I pray for all of those listening that we might live like Christ. Thank you for empowering us with your spirit. We look forward to the way that you are going to provide miracles of removing cancer, restoring hearts that haven't been beating well, the way that you're going to restore relationships that have been pulled apart and stretched thin, the way that you're going to bring people back to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. We have confidence that you want to bring a revival to our hearts, to this church, and to our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.